Good morning, Winter Park. It's 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, and now's the time to talk about true crime. If you're sensitive to dark topics, this is a trigger warning. Um, it's a good time to change the channel or, you know, skip an episode if you want. But if you're here to stay, I invite you to a good old cup of joe. I'm M, And I'm M, And this is Death, Death Before, Before Decaf. Now, despite it being the week after Daylight Savings, I was too tired to go to Starbucks this morning. So I just went to the C-store and got a vanilla frappuccino from the fridge. Yeah, I got the mocha because I always get, like, I really should stop getting because they're all, they're, like, bad for you or something. I don't know. <laughs> We're here for a good time, not a lot. Honestly. I, okay, I got the best chai latte the other day from Austin's. Promo to Austin's. Go to Austin's. They're, like, have, like, they're trying to shut it down so they can build a parking lot. So everyone go to Austin's. Support them. Click on Fairbank. Yay. Amazing. Very, like, gay space like very nice interesting nice it was the best chai latte i've ever had i don't think i've ever been it's so good it's it's a big walk but it's nice nice okay so you're going first today okay my story this week is ed gein so uh, this one's it's kind of short but it's a lot so like big trigger warning like I don't even know what trigger warning, but, like, it's gross. (laughs) So, Edward Gein was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin on August 27th, 1906. So, he's a Virgo. Um, Oh, my God. He uh, had an alcoholic father named George, and his mother, Augusta, was, like, a religious fanatic, and she taught him that women were evil and sex was evil. So, (laughs) that's, like, what he grew up with. Incel behavior. Yeah, it really is. So uh, he was raised on this, like, really isolated farm in Plainfield, Wisconsin, and he had an older brother. So in 1940, his father died, and in 1944, his brother died under, quote-unquote, mysterious circumstances during a fire. So, like, on the farm, they were trying to burn the, like, stuff on the crops i don't remember what it's called but like apparently the like blaze grew to be quote-unquote uncontrollable you know but Mm -hmm. like when they examined his body or whatever they figured out that he had bruises on his head and he was dead before the fire got out of hand so they think that ed killed his brother and then in 1945 his mother died after, like, a series of strokes due to her cancer. And so Ed remained on the farm by himself. And, you know, after his mother's death, his, like, mental health just, like, disintegrated, and he went insane. He boarded up every room in the house, and he just moved to, like, a room off the kitchen and just, like, lived in there and, like, left every room, every other room untouched. So... He, like, became interested in, like, anatomy books and, like, crime magazines. I don't really know why. It's weird. But (laughs) on November 16, 1957, the owner of a hardware store, 58-year-old Bernice Warden, disappeared, and then the police suspected Gein. Because on the day before her disappearance, 
Dean was in the store and he said like, oh, I'll be back tomorrow to buy a gallon of antifreeze. And so like the last receipt that Bernice Warden wrote before she disappeared was for a gallon of antifreeze. And, like, her son, like, that worked at the store, like, told the kids that, you know. So the police, like, went to Ed's farm and, like, searched the property. And they found her body decapitated with her head hung in a burlap sack. And she was hung upside down from the ceiling, gutted like a deer. Like, like he hunted like a deer and then, like, gutted it from oh the ceiling. God. Yeah. So she's not the only body that they found. They also found a uh, collection of human skulls and furniture and clothing made out of human skin. I don't know if I knew about this. It's a really big story. There are a lot of stuff like based on him. He's really fa- like famous, but he only technically murdered two people. So, like trigger warning, this is gross. Um, they found... Chairs upholstered in human skin, a oh belt made out of female nipples, <laughs> masks oh made out of human faces, nine vulvas, and a shoebox under his bed. Oh my god, you can't see my face, but I am like... She's gasping. Oh my god. Mouth open. He found organs in his refrigerator. There was a pair of lips being used as a drawstring for his like window shade. There was... How do you, a li- how do you even do that? Exactly. He's insane. There was a lampshade made out of a face, gloves made out of skin, and then there are bowls made out of skulls. Like, he t- took the top of the skull off and made bowls out of them. So, uh, they found a lot of stuff in his house. So the, to say the least. Yeah. So, uh, he was questioned, and then he told investigators that between 1947 and 1952... He made more than 40 visits to local graveyards. I think they said it was like three graveyards. And exhumed recently buried bodies. Oh. And so he claimed that he was in a quote-unquote daze-like state. And he admitted to robbing nine graves. And they like were like, oh, I don't know if you did that or not. But they went to like see if he was telling the truth. And they opened all of the graves and they were empty. Mm. So he was telling the truth. And then uh, he said that, like, after his mother's death, it's kind of, like, between two stories. I don't know which one is true, but either he realized that he was transgender and wanted to, like, become a woman, Mm -hmm. or he literally wanted to become his mother and, like, crawl into her skin. Oh, you know what? I think I heard about that. Yeah. So, like, I don't really know which one's the real truth but either way it's like not being trans is off-putting but like making a human suit is very off-putting oh i didn't even talk about the human suit so um he began making a woman's suit and then wore women's skin and it was like a shirt made out of skin and it had breasts on it and he would like wear it around the house and then he would like this is like gross i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but he would like place female genitalia over his own and he like as if he were a woman and yeah (laughs) i i don't even know how to respond to that yeah 
don't like, even know how to explain. So, <laughs> uh, instead, instead, I'm just going to take a sip. Going to take a sip, we'll sippy. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. He obviously had mommy issues. Clearly. Like his mom was like, things are evil, no sex. And then he, like, became a woman. You know, this sounds an awful lot like one of the lessons I learned in my class about serial killers, about how most, like, killings and, like, mutilations, like, they're the reason why they're as messed up as they are is because of, like, sexual desire. Yeah. And that's what drives a lot of serial killers. Yes. Insanity. Uh, I like that I'm learning about that though, because I'm I'm big into criminology. Same. Same. Okay, I guess back to the story. <laughs> okay. So uh, even though he like admitted to wearing the linen suit, he denied having sex with the bodies because they smelled too bad. That was his reason. Mm-hmm. Um. He also admitted to killing another woman. It was Mary Hogan, who was a tavern owner, and she went missing in 1954. Um, Those are the only two people that he killed. Mm -hmm. So he was declared mentally unfit to stand trial, and he was sent to a state hospital in Wisconsin in 1958. So, like, during his time there, he was, like, a model patient. Like, everyone was like, oh, he caused no trouble. Like, he was like, if every, like, patient was like him, there would be no problems. It was just like, what? And so, like, there are, like, some of the things that he did while he was there. So, he did rug making. He did occupational therapy. And (laughs) the only thing was that some nurses said that he made them uncomfortable because he stared at them. Oh. It kind of, it sounds to me like he was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he said that he was in a trance-like state. So I don't know if that, you know, you never know if they're telling the truth or if they just, like, want to get out of the sentence. Mm -hmm. But I guess that was a job for the sentencer or whatever. So he was in, like, a trance but still, like, was aware of what he was doing? That sounds a a bit to me like insanity. Yeah. So in 1968... They thought that he was, like, able to stand trial, like, he was mentally fit, like, after spending 10 years in this, like, hospital. So he was found guilty of the murder of Bernice Warden, but he was found insane at the time of the murder, so he was, like, readmitted to the hospital. Um, In 1974, he submitted his first attempt for release, but, like, they obviously rejected him Mm -hmm. because he's insane. And then in July of 1984, he died from cancer and respiratory illnesses. Hmm. So that's his story. But his case inspired a lot of things. Um, The movie Psycho, because of his, like, relationship with his mother, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs. um, I was, yeah, I was going to say, like, the whole wearing the woman's skin thing reminded me of, like, one of the scenes in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Yeah. that's one of the people that he was based off of. He was based on... Like, three serial killers. I don't know if serial killers, but three, like, murderers. It was Ed Gein and, uh, and then two others that I don't remember. But, um, and then, like, American Horror Story, like, had a character based on him. And, like, a lot of other ones. Yeah. 
Um, he was nicknamed the Butcher of Plainfield. Not really that important, but <laughs> soon after he was sent to the hospital, his house mysteriously burned down. Quote unquote mysteriously. mysteriously. So it was suspected that the locals burned his house down to prevent it into turning into turning into like a tourist attraction, which is like valid. Yeah. But um but not not the burning part, but no, like know? wanting to not be a tourist attraction, but yeah. do not burn a house down, please. <laughs> but the property that his house once stood on was sold for four thousand five hundred dollars and it was a big property because it was a farm, obviously. But all of his possessions were auctioned off soon after that. So one of the objects that was sold was his cauldron. Like it was it one of the call it wasn't one of the cauldrons made out of like human parts, was it? No. Okay. But when oh. his house was searched, they found the cauldron covered in blood and guts next to tubs of human entrails. Why would they And so a woman bought the cauldron because she believed that it would make a good planter for her plants. And the cauldron was like then inherited by this woman's grandson and he didn't know like where she got it from or anything, obviously. But one of Gein's former neighbors saw this cauldron and told like this grandson was like, Yo, dude, you got Ed Gein's cauldron. You don't know where that's been. Yeah. And so he sold the cauldron to like the highest bidder or whatever. And that ended up being Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures on, is it the Travel Network? I don't know. I don't know. He's, like, pretty famous. Not famous. Oh. Um, if you listen to him, that's why we drink. You know who Zach Bagans is. But I um, might. I might. It's in his museum in Las Vegas now, if you ever want to see his cauldron. Wow. Yeah. And that's all I have. It was a very short story, but I think it's a pretty good one. Very interesting. And you can look up all of these pictures on the internet. They have pictures of his, like, nipple belt and his human lamp. Like, I, okay, there are pictures I have, of all this I stuff. have pictures up of the cauldron right now. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Oh! <gasps> what do you see? Oh, please tell me these are replicas. I don't think they are. The, the, the face lamp. Yeah. Look up the nipple belt. I don't. I'd rather. I. I'll. I'll save that. I'll, <laughs> I'll save that for later. Yeah. No, it's insane, and his gloves are creepy. And there's like a chair. I talked about it, but it's like a wooden chair, but the seat is upholstered in human skin. Oh jeez. Yeah. Crazy. Story. Okay. Um. Anyway. Ooh. Anyway, it's gross, but yeah. it's very interesting. Big shout out to my dad for showing me the case I'm about to do. Ooh, I don't I, even know your dad's name. I don't know if he wants me to like okay, disclose. I was gonna name. be like, go, dad's name. <laughs> go, go, M's dad. Go, M's dad. I yeah. yeah I th- I think he would like to keep a low profile. Valid. He's not big on media I and stuff. Um, so big shout out to him for showing me this case. I was like, I was, I think I was like four when this happened, but I did live a few towns over from where this case happened. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah, first I do a case in Newtown. 
right? And now I'll be talking about the Cheshire, Connecticut home invasion and murders. I, you know, I always thought Connecticut was boring, but, you know, I, I guess a fun tourist trap is to touch those with death or whatever. Yeah. God, anyway. <laughs> um, uh, well, the murderers' names were Joshua Komisarzewski, I think that's how you pronounce it, Ooh, and fancy. Stephen Hayes. Um, so, um, the day was July 22nd, 2007. Um, so Hayes and Komisarzewski, you know, according to their confession after being arrested, they were planning on simply robbing a house. Nothing more. Mm-hmm. The family was still there. They were going to be probably tied up, probably held at gunpoint. Held at gunpoint, yes. Um, and they were going to rob the house of the Hawk Petit family. Okay, um, I get, like, murder is never acceptable, but, like, why would they leave witnesses? You know? Like, if they're going to rob the house while they're there and then, like, tie them up, they're going to, like, be able to see what they look like and then, like, file a report. They were probably going to, like, blindfold them or something. I have no idea. Um, but, you know, what happened is um, they invaded the house of the Hawk Petit family. Um, who the people who were home at the time was 48-year-old Jennifer and her 11-year-old daughter, Michaela. Um, and... You know, they were just, it, w- it was a normal night, July 22nd, 2007. I said that already, didn't I? <laughs> um, they were at the grocery store that day, and so was Joshua. And he was he took interest, quote-unquote, <laughs> and he followed them home. And I think what he thought was that, oh, they look rich, I'm going to rob them. Um, and... Evidence that was found after they were caught was a text message that Stephen sent to Joshua. Um, and it said, I'm chomping at the bit to get started. Need a margarita soon. Need a margarita soon. And s- yeah. Me too. <laughs> then he said, we still on? And then Joshua said, yes, soon. I'm putting the kid to bed. Hold your horses. He has a kid. Ugh. Yeah, crazy. Um, and that night, they, I mean, they were planning on leaving the family unharmed. They were just going to probably be, like, bound and stuff. But um, in the middle of the night, so it was um, July 23rd, they found the father, I believe. Um, yes, the father, Dr. Petit, and he was sleeping on a couch. Um, Joshua entered the basement because they left their door unlocked, um, and very conveniently on the stairs of the basement was a baseball bat. Oh. Um, and instead of just, instead of just tying up Dr. Petit, he was hit with a baseball bat four, five times. Then he was bound with zip ties and rope. Jeez. And like yeah. hitting must have been just like 
I don't even know. Not premeditated, but like if you go in and you're like, I'm not going to hurt these people. And then you just see a baseball bat and then start hitting. Like, I feel like that's a little sus. Yeah. um, Dr. Petit was the one survivor. Um, So he, so his account was that um, one killer told the other, if he moves, put two bullets in him. Um, And then after that, after that, um, the rest of the family was bound, and they they were bound to their bedposts with pillowcases placed over their heads. Um, after that was when the robbery began. Um, then Doctor Petit was taken to the basement, where he was tied to a support pole. Then Hayes and Komisuchevsky, um, kept on robbing the house for money. However. They were not satisfied with what they found. They stole $15,000 from a check register. And they, what they did was um, they sexually, trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. I, like, I don't. I feel like we need a sign bu- sound bite for that. Trigger warning. Probably. <laughs> but, um. Things took a turn for the worst. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I can't talk today. (laughs) Me neither. I'm out of it today. I just, I really do not like this case because it happens so close to where I live. It's, um, but anyway, Joshua Kermisojewski sexually abused, um, the young girls in the house. And all of this was documented with the camera on his phone. They both? Did that or just from his surgery? It was. I th- it was just. I think it was just Joshua. Um, and then um, Stephen. Was it Stephen? Yeah, it was. Um, he forced forced the mother to um, withdraw fifteen thousand dollars from her line of credit. Um. And then on the phone, um. She She said that um she said to the bank teller that she was being held hostage in her own home and um the people holding her hostage was threatening to kill her family. And um the transaction was documented. Um the manager of the bank called authorities and you know, the mother was still on the phone with the teller. Um No, they were at the bank. Oh. They were at the bank. They went to the bank. They went to the bank. Um, and she was, like, telling the teller that she was being held hostage. Um, I feel like that's just, like, a bad idea as a robber. Like, you don't, why would you take the family to the bank? Like, that's weird. That's suspicious. That's weird. Yeah. Um, that that was um, during the time when Joshua was sexually assaulting um, Michaela, um, the 11-year-old. Um, and unfortunately, evidence from her rape came from her autopsy. Mm. Um, and after that, 
um, he went and raped the mother. And Dr. Petit was able to hear what was happening from downstairs. And then he heard one of the invaders say, don't worry, it's all going to be over in a couple of minutes. Oh. He, he escaped. Like, when he heard that, he all just, like, had the strength to escape. Um, and in his head, he told the court, he said, I thought it's now or never because in my mind at that moment, I thought they were going to shoot all of us. Um, Joshua found that he had escaped. And after that, um, Hawk Petit, the wife, was strangled. And um, I think that eventually killed her. Were they still at the bank, or did they... This was after they were taken back. Okay. Um, because Hawk Petit was strangled and murdered. Um, some investigations say that she could have been strangled after she was raped or before, um, which means Komi Sojewski could have been charged with um, necrophilia. Um, the daughters and the mother's um, rooms were doused in gasoline, and um, the daughters, who were both alive at the time, um, they were doused with gasoline. And they started a fire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were both killed. Um, Haley escaped. And she, you know, ran into the hallway, but she eventually did die in the house of smoke inhalation. Um, Michaela's body was found in her bedroom. Um, and her hands were tied to her bed, and her lower body was hanging off of it. Um, so, you know, she didn't escape. And died in the fire. Um, That's one of my biggest fears, is dying in a fire. I know. Um, But the father, Dr. Petit, got out of the house on time and called to his neighbor's yard for help. Uh, But his injuries were so severe that he wasn't recognized. Oh, Um, my God. Like, from the fire or, like, from being hit with the bat? or I think from being hit with the bat because I think he did escape the fire um he might have had some minor burns on him um but all in all this lasted seven hours um Hayes and Komosojewski confessed the murders and I don't know their sentence Oh no, they were sen- they were both sentenced to li- to life as they deserved. They yeah. should get like three life sentences though. For they were they were originally going to get the death penalty, but then it was switched to life. And Oh my god. Ooh. I'm just looking for additional details right now cuz mm-hmm. I just wrote down my talking points. Someone who I think knew one of the victims was an employee at the high school I went to. Oh, my God. Like, the private school that I went... I don't know who John Carpenter is, 
but he worked at Chase Collegiate School, the Ooh. private school I went to in high school, which, by the way, is now extinct. <laughs> extinct. Ex- I, I can't talk today. Extinct. We can't talk today. I said extinct. We're just illiterate. But I'm I, so tired today. When I just saw the words Chase Collegiate School, that gave me kind of a heart attack. Um, so, um, the the perpetrators are still in prison, as they should be, as they deserve for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um. Do you know their birthdays and if you have their zodiac signs? I don't know. I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. I just want to know. Oh my god! But anyway, um, Doctor Doctor Petit um, was rushed that day. Rushed into the hospital that my dad happened to work at, and oh. he was there. And when it happened, I just did not like looking this up. I don't know why, because like I've seen so many other super disturbing cases, but this one really hits me for some reason. Probably be just because of all the details that I've seen like, that I've read in my research. So I'm kind of illiterate today, and I'm also just, like, disgusted. Okay, Stephen Hayes is a Gemini. Joshua Komisarzewski, they don't have his birthday. He's a Leo. He's a Leo. Mm -hmm. I really don't think that (laughs) matters. They're killers. I mean, they really are. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Why are we trying to figure out killer zodiacs? Because I like Zodiac signs. Yeah, me too. I just want to know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I just hate this case so much because I was alive for this. And oh my God. So this took place in 2007. So not only did I go to Chase for high school, I also went there for kindergarten because it was a K-12 school. Mm -hmm. So that was 2008, 2009. So to think that the person who... um, I think they started a foundation for the victims. Um, John Carpenter, he might have been working at Chase the year I went there. Yeah, yeah, ran the New York City Marathon for the Miles for Michaela campaign. Oh. Yeah. I'm making a sad face right now because you guys can't see it. Oh, my God. So, I guess that's it. Is that it? We're at like 30 minutes. I feel like we did pretty good for our two really short stories. Yeah. I'd rather end it here. I just don't want to talk about anything else. Yeah. Valid. This was a gross episode. It was. But I think it was interesting. So, if you survived this long, if you were either too disturbed or maybe just too disgusted by this episode, yeah. then... Thanks for staying with And, uh, you know, we post pictures from every episode on our Instagram, like, of the cases. But um, you guys can look up Ed Gein's memorabilia on your own time. I'm not going to post this on this At your own risk. Yeah. So, just a warning. I'm not posting another episode. But, yeah. I think that's all we have for today. Yeah. Okay. We will see you guys next week. I'm Em. And I'm Em. And this is Death Before 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 Default.